Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. Well, welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Podcast. It's great to have you with me as always. This podcast is going to be a little bit differently paced than my usual podcast, and it's because I want to talk to you about something very personal. Not long ago, just a matter of a week ago, I went and got my first shot for COVID. You know how we have to get two shots. They are paced by about three weeks or a month. And I got the first one. When I did that, I took a picture of myself in the clinic here at Vanderbilt University in Nashville, Tennessee, and I urged others to get their shots. Well, I was not really prepared for how many people, it wasn't that anybody hammered me or criticized me for doing it. I half expected that. It was that other people said, oh, I'm so glad to see you doing that. I've been afraid to. I've been talked out of it. Uh, I've been told horrible things about what's in it. Can you can you give a rationale for why you did it? Can you can you help explain it? We, we, we'd love to follow your example. We've just been told all kinds of things. And I, at first I wasn't hundred percent sure of what they were talking about. And so I began to research and dive into a little bit of why people would be so terrified. Well, it ranged from people thinking this inoculation, this vaccination was the mark of the beast, uh, all the way to that the compounds in the, in the, in the uh, vaccinations themselves are, are drawn directly from abortion products. Uh, abortion stem cells, etc., abortion-related products, uh, to other type things. And so I thought, man, I've, I've just gone and gotten a vaccination. <laughs> Suddenly I've made this stridently political statement, and, uh, and, and I didn't even intend to. So I thought I'd take one podcast and uh, slow it down and tell you a little bit about my experience with uh, vaccinations in my life how I perceive them, and then a little bit of the background of uh, some of the research my team has done on these COVID-19 vaccinations. And maybe we can talk some sense to some folks and help move some things along. I don't mind telling you right up front that one of the reasons I'm doing this, even though I have a people of a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different religions listening to this podcast, is that I am identified a lot with uh, evangelicals in America. And uh, I'm, sometimes I'm not sure I want to wear that name, uh, even though I'm not at all hesitant about what I believe. But apparently it's evangelicals who very likely are going to provide the largest block of people opposed to getting this vaccine, thus slowing down the nation's progress in defeating COVID-19. So I'm happy to share my thinking. I'm happy to uh, help address this. And I hope that you evangelicals who are paying attention to this podcast will particularly pay attention uh, if we... Uh, indeed are the block, so to speak, that uh, poses the biggest problem. So let me slow it down and back it up. This will be a different paced one, as I say. Uh, I grew up the son of a U.S. Army officer, and we flew uh, to our assignments during my early years. I not only moved 13 times in the first 18 years, various assignments, uh, largely in the States, but we had two lengthy assignments in Germany, one when I was around second grade and later in my high school years. I was in Schweinfurt, Germany in my early years and Berlin, Germany in my high school years. And, uh, you know, the cultural impact of that, living behind the Iron Curtain and all that, I've alluded to many times and will continue to because it really gave me a a strong fix on the, the, the power, the value, the glory 
of the Western Western world and uh, the devastations of communism and so on. But that's that's for another podcast. To do all of these moves, almost certainly the ones overseas. And by the way, bear in mind I was living in Germany as early as the 1960, uh, and this was only 15 years after the war. You still had concerns about water. You still had to have uh, many many shots. Uh, you still had to be careful about health concerns because of the destruction of Germany. It was still a factor 15 years later. So my family moved to Germany in the early 60s, and then again we moved to Germany uh, in the 70s, and that's when I was there during high school years. Well, what was normal for me, first of all, because I was in DOD schools, Department of Defense schools for the most part, what was normal for me was to go to school and to have them uh, say, well, we're now going down the hall and in the cafeteria, we're all going to line up and you're going to take the such and such, uh, you're going to get the such and such shot or such and such vaccine. Um, and, you know, they often used an air gun. I'm sure you've seen this before, maybe on television, if you've not had it yourself, when they're doing group vaccinations. And you would just step up and the gun would shoot and it would, it would shoot into your arm. I am sure my parents had to give permission for all this, but I just don't remember that process. It wasn't like each shot you had to have permission for. It was almost like, hey, if you're going to be on assignment in Germany, then obviously everybody's got to be inoculated. We don't even have to talk about this. So there was never the hassle and stir and even the preoccupation with forms, as far as I remember, that uh, we deal with now. Uh, and so getting inoculations, uh, I, I remember them being called inoculations, getting vaccinations, very normal. I, I must have had in my early life, I don't know, a dozen or more in school as part of the school day and completely understood by my parents. When my family and I moved to a remote part of the world, let's say we were, uh, at one point we were living in uh, California, we were then going to drive across country saying goodbye to relatives and then go to Berlin, Germany. I remember, excuse me, I remember that I had to have, goodness, maybe half a dozen shots. Uh, And so we'd go over to the military facility and we would go to the, I'm sure they had some kind of travel office, I don't remember now. Uh, exactly what the name was, and we would get the shots that we were we needed. And by the way, we'd have to do it progressively. You couldn't have certain shots right together. So we might get a bunch in California and then drive across country seeing our relatives we weren't going to see for, for, for some years. And we'd go to a military base and get the other shots that we couldn't get a month ago. This was all normal. Then, as we would travel, as we would get on the airplanes, as we would come into the countries, as we would pass passport control, uh, you had to produce your shot record because there were shots that were required. Now, a lot of folks today don't have to do that. Uh, you don't you don't have to, at least until recently, you didn't have to show a shot record in order to enter Germany or enter England. It was not part of the not part of the entire thing. We sure did. Uh, I remember very clearly uh, that not so much just traveling around Germany, but to initially get into the EU, to initially get into Germany, you had to produce shot records. And the German government would require certain things of the American dependents uh, living in Germany, and the army would make sure that we, we got those shots. So all of what people are discussing today about having to have a shot passport, as they call it, uh, to have that in order to travel, uh, to certainly to have it as for, to, in order to travel uh, internationally, uh, was part of my upbringing. In fact, right before COVID hit, I had gotten a series of shots because I was going to do a speaking tour in Latin America. I've told you about this in this podcast on the Great Man podcast, and it got canceled almost literally the day before I was supposed to get on the plane. And a lot of the issue had to do with 
vaccinations and quarantines. And even though I had the right shots, it was very possible that I was going to be quarantined for two weeks uh, in Peru, which you know I would have enjoyed, I suppose, but, but but that certainly would have blown the entire tour. So so not only was this part, this system, this way of thinking, part of my upbringing, uh, it's going to return now, and it's also it was also very much part of what was going on for me just a few days before a major trip canceled, just at the start of COVID. What's my point? My point is this is nothing new. This is not some new surge towards statism. Uh, even though I'm not with Mr. Biden in terms of a lot of his statism, uh, a lot of his leftward lean, uh, him, if, should he ask for, for uh, vaccine passports? Should he ask for health records? Should we see a return of that for uh, flying, etc.? Perfectly normal. It's been a part of our history already, and it's not necessarily a product of the controlling state. Now, so I've gotten the first of my two shots. I've gotten the Pfizer shot, I don't mind saying. And I've had a lot of conversations because I posted a picture of me, as I say, on social media. And one of the, one of the questions that has come up, uh, especially amongst my more conservative and uh, re- religious friends, is what about the abortion-related stem cells that might have been used in the creation of these vaccines? In other words, are you willing to have uh, abortion-related stem cells Uh, injected into your body. Well, uh, anyone who's been listening to this podcast for any period of time knows that I'm that I am uh, radically pro-life. I I, I certainly understand the few exceptions, but I am radically pro-life. So no, I'm not happy about abortion having been used at all. I'm still ticked off (laughs) at the videos that we all saw when an organization kind of went underground and recorded conversations by Planned Parenthood executives uh, about uh, the, 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 the sale and the use of the parts of aborted babies. And they were horrific. Sitting, people sitting there over white wine and appetizers would talk about the crunchy parts of fetuses and would talk about what could be sold and what could be harvested and what couldn't. And it was way beyond Frankensteinian. And the abortion industry made sure that everybody was paying attention to the uh, illegal filming of this process. And I think there was some light slap on the hand from the courts. But the fact is, it exposed the truth that people like me have been claiming for years. And that is that the abortion industry is in part about the selling of fetal parts. And it's something that we need to know. Okay, back to the subject. Um, that's where the focus became. That's where the, the, the information was. And so as a result, people are asking the same question about these vaccines. So I want to make very clear as I, as I forage into this for just a few moments that I am not an MD. I have no medical degrees. I'm not claiming to have any medical expert, expertise. The most that I have is that I live in Nashville, Tennessee, which is a hospital center with the gigantic Vanderbilt Medical Center in it. And as a result, it just so happens a lot of my friends are MDs. So if I need medical information, I'll call them and say, is this even remotely true? Or what about this? What about that? Some of these MDs are pro-life as I am. Others aren't, but still friends. Um, and so we can argue it out or I can get alternate information or I, I don't just get groupthink when I, when I call them or write them. And here's the story. And we're going to put some, uh, some references and some resources in the show notes to confirm this. Um, but what, what apparently the FDA gave a pass to a lot of these companies in order to speed things along and allowed abortion-related stem cells in the research phase. So abortion-related stem cells were used and were allowed in the research phase for almost all of these vaccines. 
that's in the research phase. However, apparently, and I'm going to give you some some sources even here on the air. Apparently, none of the, no stem cells, no abortion-related stem cells are used in the actual vaccine. So, if you've been concerned uh, and hesitant about getting the vaccine because of what you might be injecting into your veins, <clears throat> in other words, if you were concerned that you were uh, cooperating with the abortion industry, so to speak, and that you were putting abortion-related stem cells into your veins, then you can relax about that. Let me quote one source that I think should be. Uh, pretty decisive for most of us. Um, it, it's it, it's by the CatholicCitizens.org. It's a organization that processes Catholic news and and summarizes Catholic concerns and then in the headlines. Uh, CatholicCitizens.org. That's the exact website. You can go there. And here's the name of the article that I read this morning. It's one of many, by the way. I'll mention some others. Four pro-life medical groups say Pfizer, Moderna, COVID vaccines not made with aborted baby cells. I'll read it again. Four pro-life medical groups say Pfizer, Moderna, COVID vaccines not made with aborted baby cells. And the article goes on to confirm that not only are these the claims of the manufacturers, but that it's true. I also, we are also going to put in the show notes uh, a report, uh, kind of a fact-checking article from Reuters. Uh, I grew up in Europe, so I listened to Reuters a great deal. BBC and Reuters were some of our main sources when I was there, and I still listen to them now. It's so easy to do online. And they, they also, this article also makes the point, Reuters does, that while abortion-related stem cells were used in the research phase, that none of, none of that material, none of those stem cell lines are used in the actual medicine. So while I am opposed to, it is unnecessary in our generation to use stem cells from aborted fetuses. It's, un, it's unnecessary to do that. Uh, and I think eventually it ought to be illegal. This is part of simply protecting human beings. Um, and the whole body of law that ought to govern uh, research and, and protecting human beings and protecting fetuses, protecting the unborn. Uh, I'm opposed to that. Nevertheless, it is not in the actual, those stem cell lines from abortions are not in the actual medicines. So I have no problem uh, taking those vaccines. Um, I think folks have done probably the best they can do. Uh, I understand that the FDA, as I've already said, lifted some restrictions to allow those stem, science, stem line cells, stem cell lines to be used, uh, but they were not used in the manufacture. Now, in the future, I'd like to see that completely go away. We now know it's unnecessary. For example, I'm told anyway, again, let me again state one more time that I am no expert, don't know anything firsthand, but I'm told here in Nashville uh, that there's no need, no need to use uh, a stem cell line from uh, an aborted fetus, that it can be done from the placenta. It can be done from other uh, byproducts of a birth um, that provide the same scientific, scientifically um, helpful material. And if that's the case, then we don't have to be reinforcing the abortion industry and taking our stem cell lines from them. And I've just now stepped up right at the edge of my own ignorance. I don't know enough science to speak meaningfully beyond that. However, the consensus is of organizations like Reuters, of uh, Catholic citizens, 
of other sorts of research. I, I strongly urge you to pay attention to the interviews that Ed Stetzer is doing. You may know that Ed Stetzer is sort of an evangelical leader, um, and I pay attention to his material. We will provide that with the show notes. Uh, but he's done a number of interviews that helps to verify what I'm saying, which is that stem cell lines, abortion-related stem cell lines, were used in the research phase uh, because of a pass given by the FDA temporarily to move things along, but they are not used in the actual medicine, for lack of a better term, in what's actually in the vaccine dosage, in what you get in a jab. Okay, so so I go back to my original point. I I, I pretty much lay aside the whole issue of having to have abort, uh, meta, you know, passports, vaccine passports. People are all up in arms about that. I have to say, I think that's pretty much because we're a spoiled generation. Um, if you are, let's say, 50 years old, you have lived in an America where we really haven't had pandemics. We haven't had, we've had outbreaks of little things. They didn't affect everybody as a whole. Uh, and so you never had to think about going around with your shot record. You never had to think about not being able to get on that plane if you didn't have certain shots. It really wasn't much of an issue. I mean, if you flew to some far reach of the world, Bhutan or something, uh, yeah, you'd want to pay pay, pay attention. But even then, a lot of the vaccines were voluntary. Very few places in the world until recently that you had to have certain vaccines just to get into the country. Very few. Uh, There's just a lot that were recommended. And so this has not been much of our our thinking, but but it's going to return. And I think that it's actually helpful. So uh, I'm, let me let me return then. I was willing to get a vaccine in, a, in order to be able to travel, something I was very used to doing. Um, I did not see getting a vaccine as the mark of the beast. I did not see getting a vaccine uh, as the state controlling me. I did not see it as some kind of you know marching goose step 1984 novel uh, sort of experience. Instead, I believed that the medical community here in Nashville, Tennessee, and in the nation was trying to get the country and me past this back of this COVID-19 uh, pandemic. We needed to get to a certain point. I'm delighted to hear that more than half of the United States has now been has now had at least its first shot. I'll have my second shot in a week uh, and two days, and then I will be done. And I will have hopefully done my job, what I can do, to help to get us past this horrible, horrible COVID-19 pandemic. Now, the sad thing is that some of my evangelical friends will be resisting. They will be resisting because they don't believe the research about uh, stem cell lines, abortion-related stem cell lines, and they will be n- not do it just sheerly out of a kind of a libertarian, I'm not going to let the government tell me what to do. And let's, so let me address that last point while I'm, while I'm giving my rationale for why I've gone ahead and had the vaccine and why I urge you do too as well. I, I certainly lean as libertarian as I can be up to the point that scripture governs my views. My, my conscience is compelled by scripture. Every Christian should be in that situation. If you are a Christian, then you aren't just a follower of Jesus as you define it. You are a follower of Jesus as scripture defines it. And scripture tells us certainly to be wary of governments, certainly to hope that the government will rest upon his shoulders one day, uh, certainly to recognize that governments can be evil. I mean, absolute, abs- after all, the early Christian church was born in a situation of an evil Roman government, uh, putting to death Christians, uh, being idolatrous, being polygamous, uh, being polytheistic, and forcing a lot of values on the early Christians that were contrary to the will of God. That's why Christians were persecuted. That's why they were put to death. 
So there's no question that we're meant to think in terms of evil governments. However, I have to say that the American brand, uh, this unusual merging we have today of libertarianism with some Christianity, um, with some hardcore right-wing conservative politics, is an odd brew. Uh, The fact is that pure libertarianism is not biblical. Uh, pure libertarianism, as much as I read the same economists, as much as I value uh, some of those who are libertarians, as much as I learn from them, pure libertarianism is not consistent with scripture. We're told uh, to obey the government. We're told to pray for those in authority over us. We're told to cooperate with those in authority over us up until the point that we are forced to do something contrary to our faith. Well, vaccines don't land in that. Voting doesn't land in that. Um, You you can't really make a biblical case for land management and cattle like some folks are doing out in in, in the far west here in the U.S. Uh, You can't really make a biblical case there. There are are issues that that hard right-wingers are making into political issues and claiming scriptural support, which just doesn't wash. It just doesn't work. So what we find in the New Testament is as much as we can, we are called upon to cooperate with government. And by the way, in the New Testament, the governments that we're being told to pray for, uh, pray for those in authority over you, submit to those in authority over you. These were, for the most part, Roman officials. These would have been local officials. And the Bible also goes on to make very clear that these were often corrupt. So the early Christians were being told to submit to uh, the people who even Paul even made it clear he was willing to submit to the high priest and he apologized for giving an insult. And we know that high priest was from uh, a corrupt family line of, of, of priestly, a priestly couple of generations of priests and, and that he himself was corrupt. We know he, that, that this man was corrupt. And yet Paul said, forgive me, uh, it's wrong to speak ill of, of those in authority over you. It's wrong to speak ill of you, speak ill of the ruler of your people. What's my point? My point is that we Christians are told in Scripture to submit to our government as far as it is moral, as far as it is not contrary to Scripture. And I got to tell you, quite frankly, um, I see nothing in this current vaccination process that is in any way unscriptural or immoral. Nothing. Uh, I would have been deeply disturbed had the vaccine actually contained abortion related uh, stem cells lines. We're assured by many, many organizations that's not true. I hope one day that that the use of uh, of aborted fetuses is not part of any kind of medical research at all, and I lobby and work for that for that goal one day. Um, and I understand why the FDA gave a pass to speed things along, but I hope one day it's completely apart from our medicine. I'm told there are other ways it can be done, so I'm not not in favor of this at all. But the fact is, when you get your vaccination, you are not putting aborted abortion-related stem cell lines into your veins. You are not. So the issue becomes then, what's the goal here? What's the, what's the moral mandate? We have a pandemic. It has caused the death of hundreds of thousands of people. Before we are done, we will probably see more people die from COVID. This is, of course, I know some of you are suspicious of the stats, but this is, of course, if the stats are accurate, let's just, let's just leave it there for right now. If the stats are accurate or even close to accurate, we will see more people die of COVID than died during World War II. I'm sorry, the American Civil War, the American Civil War, which was over 700,000. So we will see more people die of COVID than of any other American military action 
the only war that would have we would have seen more die would have been the war on abortion, quite frankly, which is astronomically high. But we will actually, we're probably going to see more people die of COVID before it's all over with than died during the American Civil War, over 700,000. Pretty stunning. So we've got a pandemic happening. We're getting on top of it. Half the American people have, have received their first vaccination. I don't see any moral mandate for not doing it. I don't see any biblical case for not getting it. Uh, I don't see any rationale for not having it done. You're not participating in evil. You're not signing off with the mark of the beast. You are not cooperating with abortion. Um, and by the way, again, this is where I'm not really medically qualified to comment. My anecdotal research, my asking around, my making calls, my talking to doctors indicates it's unbelievably safe. Some people have some feverish days. They feel like they feel weak and they have some feverish uh, days, but that's probably because their body is fighting a little bit of it, of the COVID in their bodies. But I've had the first one. It wasn't a blip on the screen. Bev's had both, not a blip on the screen. Again, that's anecdotal. I've talked to probably a thousand people and only a few have had a few feverish days, but they're fine on the other side. Now, what's going to happen in 20 years? What's going to happen in 30 years? We never know with vaccinations until we live those years out. But I'm also told that there's nothing in the vaccination cocktail that is really that new. Uh, that we've used these compounds, we've used these chemicals before, just in other combinations and other percentages. Okay, that's as far as I'm going to go with the medicine. What I'm saying to you is, when I came to this season of our lives, this pandemic season of our lives, it felt very consistent with my growing up years. I couldn't travel without having had a sh carrying a shot record when I turned to, became a teenager. My mother entrusted me to take care of it on my own. I'd take care of my own passport, take care of my own shot record. Still have, still carry one today, obviously, because I travel in some exotic places, and. Uh, and it was just part of the game. It was part of what you did. I'd go to school. We'd get an inoculation. I knew my parents were fine with it uh, because that's what it was required to live in, in the Germany of 1961 or, or even later, the Germany of 1972. So I don't want to speak ill to those who have some hesitation. I don't want to talk to you like you are an idiot. I don't want to talk to you as though your fears are childlike. I'm glad you live an examined life. I'm glad you think through what you do. I'm glad that you don't just goose step into big actions with everybody else in the world. I'm glad you ask questions. But I'm here to tell you that to the best of my knowledge, it is healthy to get one. It is not supporting of abortion or, or, in, or putting abortion-related stem lines into your body. There is no biblical case against it. It is, in fact, what a Christian patriot would do to help us move past this at a societal level. And as far as I know, there's no damage that will come to your body other than perhaps a few days of weakness and fever as your body adjusts. And this is also what happens sometimes with other vaccinations. So all I can tell you is I've done it. My whole family has done it. And by the way, my kids are not the kind of kids that are, whose arms I could twist. <laughs> we all talk about these things at meals. We have a lot of political opinions. We've got folks who lean a little left. We've got folks who lean right. We got, you know, we don't have any hardcore right wing, but we, we talk about these things all the time over our, over our meals. And we'll be getting together at the beach here before too long, and we'll be talking about it again. All of them, all of them chose to get the vaccination. And they did so after doing some research and after talking to their doctors and after getting their questions answered. So my entire family did. There are no problems, uh, no reactions, nothing damaging, nothing terrible. Uh, my entire circle of friends have no, nothing damaging, uh, no sickness. 
I strongly urge you to get the vaccines. I think it'll, it, it does a number of things. It, it, it is, uh, will protect you. It will protect those you love. It will uh, help us get past this at a national level. And by the way, if you travel like I do, and as soon as the planes start flying, I will be overseas for a huge portion of the rest of this year. I, I, you, you won't be able to travel without verifying some of these documents, uh, some of these vaccinations and documents. And I think that's a real, uh, a real argument for it. For those of us who do a lot of travel and need to get back to the international relief work that we have done for years. Okay, this is my best case. This is me sharing my story, not trying to twist any arms, don't have a political agenda. Want to see you healthy, want to see you happy, want to see your conscience at peace, and want to see you making a difference in our age. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, and a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox and CNN. His groundbreaking books on faith and society include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Search for God in Guinness, Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, and Lincoln's Battle with God. Learn more at stephenmansfield.tv.